The thing about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. We probably don't even need the words, the Name Your Price tool, to tell you that our humpback whale pup gives you options based on your budget. Or that our novelty hand buzzer helps you save on car insurance. And that's the thing about the tiny felt bag filled with marbles. At this point, you've heard a lot of ads about the elusive northern bobcat. The Name Your Price tool. <clears throat> the neighbor who baked you banana bread. Only from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back once again, folks, to Bits to Podium. As always, it is myself, Soman Arora, here with Kunal Shah here with me. And we're going to sit down and dissect the Russian GP, where a lot of, lot of things happened, didn't they? A lot of things happened at the Russian GP in a sarcastic way. As always, it was a slightly dull race at the Russian Grand Prix, but still, lots of talking points, lots of things to discuss and analyze, and quite a good weekend for us in the prediction side of things as well, Kunal, wasn't it? Yes, quite a good weekend on the prediction side of things, but the, my, my best prediction actually turned out to be not coming true, which was the fact that Vladimir Putin would be there meeting his best friend, Bernie Eccleston. Those two gentlemen really uh, let me down, I would say. You know, I thought I would hit a bumper strike with, uh, you know, with this prediction and sort of get myself to P1 in the league. Well... The vaccine was there, but Putin certainly wasn't. That was one big moment <laughs> outside the track at the Russian Grand Prix. And that was actually one of the very few moments because, as we all know by now, Sochi, not much to expect. But still, some moments of drama, some important things to discuss. Another important thing we must bring up is that we've got a prediction competition running at Pitch Podium, which is the one we were referring Join in, folks. It's easy to join in. We're going to have this one lasting from this till the end of the season till the Grand Prix at Abu Dhabi, in fact, I think, which is the last one. So you can join in. It's very easy. Send us your predictions through Instagram before qualifying ends. And there are multiple big prizes on the way. More information on that down in the description. But let's come back to the race itself. And we have a few things to choose from. Finally, we've got multiple things to choose from in terms of the B2B moment. So if you had to pick one, Kunal, what would be your pits to podium moment from this year's Russian Grand Prix? I would go back and pick the podium to pits moment, the one where, uh, you know, Mercedes told Lewis Hamilton it was okay to do practice pits, uh, practice starts with on, you know, at outside of the designated area. Uh, we saw a lot of controversy around this. You know, first the FIA took more than 45 minutes to sort of come up with a simple decision. And then when they did, Lewis was annoyed. Mercedes was like, oh my God, this is unfair. Why do you get such uh, penalties out and so on? But uh, I would say that that sort of spiced up the race mm. for us. Uh, but of course, you know, Mercedes' uh, second pit lane error in three races exactly. cost them an easy one to finish in Sochi. It actually brings up three questions in my mind. First of which is, is Netflix involved? No, conspiracy theories aside, it always seems to happen when Netflix are in town for Mercedes. Happened in Hockenheim last time or happened in Sochi this week as well. Something just seems to be rather special with the crew, but yeah, let's that, let's see how that plays out the next time on Netflix come to Mercedes, and Toto will be having a heavy hand with that one. But the second question that comes to mind, and I think this is something a little more serious: Are Mercedes slipping up in this department? Because as you mentioned, second pit lane error in three races. They pitted Hamilton when the pit lights were closed back in Monza. They did this now this weekend in Sochi. 
And the third question that we have in mind, and that is something that's infuriating Lewis Hamilton among other people, are the FIA really trying to bring him down or is it just not reading the rule book for Mercedes? Well, you know, I think I'm going to answer question two or point two and point three with just one answer, at least if, you know, if I could, is that between now and the next race at the Nürburgring, Mercedes will read the rule book, every line, every word, every article, front and backwards to make sure that they know exactly what's happening. Okay. And, you know, I don't think anyone's out to slow down Lewis Hamilton on purpose. I mean, it would be one thing if they were trying to slow Mercedes down on purpose, but to slow just one driver down on purpose seems a little too far-fetched. Yes, we all have our theories of how the FIA has tried to level the playing field by slowing down the fastest team, you know, ever so often. But in this case, there was a clear breach of rules. So it was, you know, understandable that he, you know, received a penalty. What I actually liked was that the FIA, you know, sort of went back on the penalty point Mm. because they realized that it was the team that misguided the driver and the driver just performed the act. So pretty fair play from them, I would say. Exactly. Normally, they called him the Ferrari international assistance. But no, I think in this time, in this case, they were being pretty fair. And you can say what you want to. You can say still I rise, even if you feel that Lewis Hamilton is being pulled down. But no, I think honestly, it's just about reading the regulations. And they will also go back and read the regulations about brake ducts, because that is something rather (laughs) spicy with them. But on, on a very honest note, teams make mistakes at times. Track side operations are not easy. It is such a long and lengthy rule book that just remembering every single thing becomes a proper pain in the backside. So slip-ups do happen. And knowing the way Mercedes operate, they'll be the first people to go back in there, read everything, make sure that everything is back on track and get things ready for the next race at the Nürburgring, which is something that makes me really excited. But let's come to that later on because we've got another thing to discuss, which is my P2B moment, which has to be Carlos Sainz doing the unthinkable and hitting a wall on his own, on the first lap. That, that bollard right there, I think that was just a clear case of drivers trying to be a bit more opportunistic, but failing in the end, wasn't it? I think it was the most embarrassing moment of his life, Seriously. of his career, at least, or I'll put it this way, maybe if I don't have to use uh, superlatives, the most embarrassing moment of 2020, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, he clearly missed the, missed the line into two, turn two, so he said, okay, let me just go over the sausage curbs and go through the bollards and rejoin the race because there was a bit of a traffic jam ahead of him. But it turned out to be such a disaster. Not only did he crash and sort of go out of the race, the debris from his car impacted Lando Norris's race as well. And I think it was, it was pretty symbolic. But, you know, we all have such embarrassments in life. You know, it's just that car losses happened, uh, you know, on live uh, world television with a few millions of viewers uh, watching. But uh, I'm actually glad that he was safe. Yeah. And, you know, I heard a lot of these comments saying turn two shouldn't be there. And, you know, they, 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 that's what Carlos Sainz said. And then people said how the, the sausage curves were different and they shouldn't have. I think what they had there was fine. The only difference was the ruling of, you know, going through the bollards. They should have just said that do what Groman Groshan does, you know, just drive through them and, <laughs> and uh, just, just try and see how many spares the FIA has to keep replacing them each time. 
what will they do then? <laughs> they just they just can't keep on replacing them all the time, right? Beyond the point, someone will have to come up and say, yeah, let's go, let's go away with it. But I think it's just Carlos Sainz preparing for Ferrari next year. I mean, it's going to be mm. tons of embarrassments next time on, so might as well prepare early, start early on. That's what they say. But no, that was a that was a whack with a double C. <laughs> that's the right <laughs> way to put it. Embarrassing moment for Carlos Sainz, but I think that's racing drive philosophy, right? You see an obstacle, you have to go through it as fast as you possibly can. Some days it works, the other times you're just thinking, yikes, now that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? But that aside for Carlos Sainz, that was a big moment for him. What's even bigger for the championship is what Valtteri Bottas takes home. He takes home, folks, 26 points. Won the race, got fastest lap. Now, you've got to admit that Lewis Hamilton's penalty had a big, big impact on the same because had he not gotten that penalty, you, you kind of assume that Hamilton would be there fighting for that win and who knows, perhaps even getting that. But the silver lining for Valtteri Bottas is it's his second win in the entire season. Perhaps this could be the turnaround moment that we are all hoping for? You know, we can keep hoping for that, but I think it's definitely Lewis Hamilton's season. Uh, you know, some really silly errors that are causing him to lose races like we saw in Monza, like we saw in Russia. He would have probably been too ahead of Michael Schumacher's record by now, you know, if that were the case. But, you know, in all honesty, uh, Botas' easiest win of the career, that's what I would think, okay? It was gifted to him without a doubt. Uh, Although I have a very small uh, thought in my mind that Botas on mediums, Hamilton on softs, that was a scenario that we would have faced had it been a regular race. And maybe, just maybe still, Valtteri Bottas could have anyway won the race from P2. Again, maybe still. Uh, there is no way to sort of prove this yet. I'll still need to dig into what the soft tires could do. I haven't done that yet. But, you know, I still can't figure his message to his critics because, hey, Valtteri, this was the easiest win that you could have asked for. Yeah. The win came because Lewis Hamilton got a penalty. We understand a lot of weight was taken off your shoulders. But at some point, we would love for you to take that fight to Lewis like you did, you know, trying to get into turn one. It's, it's just Lewis Hamilton. That's all I always keep on saying. It's just Lewis Hamilton in the end. He's just a different breed, a different fighter altogether. I, mean, I, I don't think fighter would be the right word, but sort of a gladiator in this case, who fights back in every single adversity that he's faced so far. And you can call him a crybaby, a whiner, whatever, but... When you have a teammate like Lewis Hamilton who wins almost every weekend, even that one win must have been feeling big for Valtteri Bottas. And yeah, I think I'll give him a little bit of slack for this one. But of course, you kind of feel for him. He never ends up winning. He's got a teammate like none other. Sometimes that all just bottles up and it seemed like exactly what happened with Valtteri Bottas. But it's good to see some emotions, right? Finnish drivers are primarily known to be very calm, very relaxed in their approach. Sometimes a bit colourful, and that's the case for Kimi Raikkonen for sure. But Bottas has mainly been very vanilla in his approach. Just to see even a little bit of approach, a little bit of emotion from him, I beg your pardon, is something nice for a change? But I don't think that's the right word to use, isn't it? The, yeah. the F-bomb, that's, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> you know, but uh, Sochi is supposed to be a Bottas circuit. He's yeah. always been stronger here. And, you know, Lewis got his first pole after 2014. Uh, and I would say that the gap to Botas in qualifying was actually where I was a little shocked because mm. Botas was six and a half tenths exactly. slower than Lewis. And that's the, that's the largest gap he's had to Lewis in qualifying this year. But, you know, 
that's how it was. Yeah, I'm sure, like you said, he's happy with the 26 points. And, uh, you know, since we're talking of qualifying, what a phenomenal lap by Max Verstappen oh, yeah. to get himself, you know, to P2 and in the Mercedes sandwich. And, you know, like Max said, again, he's not very vocal or he's not, he doesn't praise himself or he doesn't really talk uh, good about himself. Uh, this was one of the first times he stuck his neck out and he said, that was one of my best qualifying laps ever. But it's a shame to see one of your best qualifying laps ever be rewarded with just a second place, knowing that you can't do anything in the race at all. It's amazing, right? We've already marked territories out in Formula 1, like Sochi is Bottas territory, Silverstone is strongly Lewis Hamilton territory. It's just how good Mercedes have been. And it just pains me to see Max Verstappen, a driver of that caliber, not being able to get that opportunity to challenge for race wins and championships. But I think in the end, he just did the best that he could in this race. He did. And, you know, he's back on the podium. It is Red Bull's first podium at Sochi. Again, a very, uh, very weird statistic, you know, given Seriously? that Red Bull have been, yeah, Red Bull have been pretty much on form wow. uh, more than Ferrari have been, you know, since 2014, since uh, Formula One went to Sochi. But it was their first win uh, or rather first podium at Sochi. Also, uh, Max's first point scoring after two, you know, uh, two consecutive DNFs. So, Overall, Red Bull would be uh, pretty, pretty pleased with how Max's you know, race turned out. But as for, uh, as for uh, you know, Alexander Albin, uh, you know, him fighting for P16 is definitely something that they wouldn't have imagined would happen. Exactly. Now, take your mind back to 2018. It's a year when Lewis Hamilton is dominating in Formula 1. But Formula 2 just has three young, exciting talents. They've got one George Russell, amazing British driver, all fit and clean. He knows what he's doing. He's running for the championship. There's one young Landon Norris who enjoys being the center of attention, enjoys the memes and the gaming side of thing. And there's Alex Albon, the outsider, who's got a whole lot of intent and pace in him. You kind of look at, them, look at them and think, okay, you know what, two years or three years down the line, these people will be fighting for podiums and race wins. Here we are then, 2020. These guys are in... Historic teams, McLaren, Williams, and Red Bull. What position are they fighting for? P16. <laughs> it's, it's the ultimate no-no that you could ask for. All these great young talents being fighting, fighting in that position, but ultimately circumstances, that's what it gets you towards the end. But good to see George Russell showing some intent. Of course, he made that mistake that caused him a flat spot, which eventually caused him to go behind. But Norris having a decent enough race. Alex Albon finishing in P number 10. I guess it's that's what happens, right? Some days, some days you just don't have that pace in the end. Yes, you know, Alex Albin has been complaining of handling issues and you know circuits like Sochi, given their characteristics, like we spoke, you know, low medium corners, right angled corners don't really sort of help you in that regard. But you know, in the end, they had a good scrap. We loved it. We loved the whole Twitch comparison that uh, Formula One kept making. And, uh, you know, uh, since we are talking of Lando Norris, I think this was the first time in six races that he has failed to score a point. Uh, and for McLaren as well, they, this is, I think, the first time in 2020 they have failed to score a point yeah. in a race. So, overall, great fights, but not, uh, not very rewarding races for the trio. Exactly. No, didn't really help out with them. Entertaining, for sure. Rewarding, not so much. But that aside, it was... Interesting to say the least. It spiced up a little bit of drama that we had in the race. But what was more interesting at the start, along with Carlos Sainz crashing, 
there were many stories coming up regarding another crash on the first lap because Sergio Perez went ahead. It was Lance Stroll who spun out. And from the looks of the replays, it looked like, yeah, perhaps he just got too much of the curbs on the exit of the corner. I don't even know which one because they all look like the same in Sochi. <laughs> I think it was turn four, exit of turn four. Exit of turn four it is then, okay. Uh, Stroll spun out. He was uh, facing the wrong side of the barrier and people were thinking, who done it? That's the word that we have. Turns out it was Charles Leclerc. Leclerc went on to finish in P6. Sergio Perez, his teammate of Lance Stroll, went on to finish in P4. So, bad day for Lance Stroll again. Another crash in another race. And even worse for Racing Point, their upgrades, they don't know if they yeah. how they would have performed in the race because Lance's car had those crucial upgrades. Yeah. You know, they, they couldn't get the upgrades, uh, you know, uh, developed in time for Checo's car. So, Checo was still running the previous uh, package. But despite that, Checo was consistently faster than Lance. He qualified ahead of Lance. And, uh, you know, I've been reading about how the FIA have been biased uh, against uh, uh, or rather biased in favor of uh, Charles Leclerc because of his obvious connections to the Todd family. And that, uh, you know, Charles Leclerc should have received a penalty for taking out Lance Stroll. But in my view, you know, it was uh, he had given enough room to Lance. I think it was just one of those racing incidents and maybe... Lance just came in a little too early trying to defend the inside into the next corner. So, again, I haven't really seen the onboards, but my point is that it was fair to not give Charles, yeah. uh, you know, a, a penalty for that. And, you know, hats off to him for a spirited drive to 2P6. And what do you say about Sergio Perez? Checo has now ended up finishing in P number four here. That is a big statement of intent if there ever was any. And Racing Point are already beginning to hide things from him. Clearly, they're not giving him the same information. They're not giving him the upgrades that Lance Stroll had as well this weekend. That relationship is becoming ever so fractious. But he still goes on every single week and reminds everyone, I'm the alpha. It's Absolutely. It's just bizarre. Uh, again, you won't sack your own son, but it, it is what it is. It, it just really is sad to see Sergio Perez leaving the team. And speaking of the Alpha connection, who knows, he may end up going to Alfa Romeo next year. Could be something fun to watch out for. Then, of course, the fight is actually heating up in the Constructor Championship as well, Canal, because in the midfield, you've got Racing Point scoring a fair few points here this weekend. We saw Daniel Ricciardo get a penalty. We saw Sergio Perez coming in P4. Everything is just bubbling up and we're getting this sort of lovely fight that can culminate at the end of the season. Yeah, I loved uh, Renault's pace. It was heartening to see them being able to compete at one more circuit. You know, we all thought it would be Monza and Mugello and that's it. And everyone's hopeful that Renault sort of had the turnaround that, you know, we've been waiting for, for say almost six years or whenever they made a return to, to <laughs> Formula One. Uh, but uh, the truth is, you know, Renault are looking really good. So that's, that, that's hopefully the best news that Fernando Alonso could have gotten. Uh, not so much so for Daniel Ricciardo if he's leaving when they've finally turned around. But, you know, well, that ship has sailed. But uh, Renault, I think they have 99 points in 10 races in 2020. And in 2019, they had all of 94 points, right? Yeah. So uh, a fantastic season uh, for them. I think the gap uh, between uh, McLaren, Racing Point and Renault, I think McLaren and Racing Point are two points yeah. uh, for P3 and Renault are further back in P5 with just a five points gap. 
So it's it's getting really interesting to see which team ends up taking uh, P3 in in the in the constructors championship. Now, usually best of the rest was P4, but P3 would be fantastic for the teams their their uh, their PR as well as for their prize money earning potential. And why? Scuderia Ferrari. It's happened again. It's happened again. That's what we say. But no, on the whole. For them as well, good result for Charles Leclerc, P number six, undeniable. Uh, looking back at the results as well, Sebastian Vettel finished in P number 13, and that was after the accident that he had in qualifying. So, can we call that a half decent weekend for Ferrari? Well, depends because, you know, it depends which Ferrari driver you are supporting. If you're a Charles Leclerc fan and think that's it, he's the man to support. Everything else doesn't matter, which is, you know, usually how Ferrari are very polarizing about which yeah. driver to support. Then I think P6 was fantastic. You know, it was, like I said, a very spirited drive. Uh, you know, with he, he somehow just drives with this attitude that this is it. I'm racing for Ferrari. I'm racing in Formula One. Yeah. I will do whatever it takes to finish as high as it takes in this car. And, you know, that's what we love about drivers. And that's one of those, you know, Alonso type qualities that we have. And, like we've said this before, you know, we'll, we'll repeat ourselves uh, several times in 2020 that Leclerc in 2020 has been far more impressive than Leclerc in 2019, right? Absolutely. And uh, that's, that's, yeah. And, and again, one more thing about Leclerc, which really stood out is one of those rare times after qualifying where he was a little too vocal about Ferrari and their inefficiencies and this was down to communication, uh, communicating, you know, the time gap that was there between the other drivers for his run and so on. So, all in all, I think if you're a Leclerc fan, this was a fantastic race for him and uh, Ferrari, I would say. No, it was. Definitely was. P6 is a good place for him. And I'm getting ever so impressed by seeing Charles Leclerc doing what he is. He's not complaining. He's not irritated. Seems like he's digested the fact that Ferrari are not going anywhere this season. So, hey, might as well, instead of trying... Go ahead and put some good races. And that's what he's doing right now. And that is a big up for Charles Leclerc. And I think that kind of sums all that we had for the Russian GP again. Slightly dull weekend. But what have we got next? Next up is a circuit that I can't wait to see how it works, how things work out over there. It is the Nürburgring. Amazing yep. track. Amazing circuit. It's not the Notchlifer, mind you. If you're a new Formula One fan and if you're wondering why Formula One does not race at the Notchlifer, it's simple. We don't want to see anyone go home in a coffin. But still, the GP circuit, it's superb, nevertheless, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is going to be Sebastian Vettel's home race at Germany, Mercedes's home race. Let's really hope Vettel has a better outing. And, you know, since we are on Vettel, I just have a couple of more points. You mentioned he finished in P13, which is great. But, you know, the unfortunate part is. He finished behind Antonio Giovinazzi and Kevin Magnussen. Okay. Yikes. Seven races to go in 2020 and Sebastian Vettel is already out of title contention, right? And I think the best memory that we all have of Sebastian uh, from Russia was when he played Grand Chief Marshal. You know, he crashed and he <laughs> went and he picked up his own front wing. Yeah. Uh, really heartwarming moments, but you know, it was unfortunate to see him lose the car. And, uh, you know, he was also uh, relegated to being wingman to Charles Leclerc in, in Russia because mm. uh, I do recollect that he was let out uh, a, a little longer on track yep. just so that uh, 
you know, he could keep the Renault cars behind and slow them down and give Charles a bit of a, you know, a buffer that was there. So, um, you know, let's hope he has, he has a better race out there. Absolutely. And also, it's not the return of the Eiffel Renin, which was the historic race back in the pre-war era, but it's the Eiffel GP. So it's not exactly the German GP of sorts, but it's good to see some history being brought back with that kind of name. So if you have the time, search about the Eiffel Renin, search about the great Mercedes team of the past and about Alfred Neubauer and Rudolf Caracciola. Lovely stories. But I think that's about it, folks. I think that's about it for Pits to Podium here today. Let's hope for the best at the Nürburgring. And on the whole canal, what do you expect from that circuit when we go there next time on? I'm excited to see how low the circuit temperatures, air temperatures would go, and if that would create any sort of troubles with the tires or how different the tires and the cars would behave in those cold conditions. Because, you know, it goes as low as 10 degrees. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, that's not, it's not through the day, but the lowest goes down to 10 degrees. So, Let's hope that we see a cold Formula 1 race because we've seen hot ones, we've seen wet ones and I'd love to see a cold one. We can actually see that because if you were watching the Nürburgring 24 this weekend, folks, there was a lot of cold. People were out there in their jackets and their big thick ones and they had their raincoats, they had their umbrellas along. It was a torrid weekend at the Nürburgring. And it's coming soon. So stay tuned for that one. Also, if you've reached here, thank you so much for watching. Feel free to leave a like to share this video with your fellow Formula 1 enthusiasts and to subscribe to the channel. Play our prediction competition. It's coming up next week at the Nürburgring and there are multiple big prizes on offer. Once again, folks, thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this canal. And we shall see you for the Eiffel GP at the Nürburgring. Good night and bye-bye. Thank you, guys, and thanks, Samuel. Bye-bye. <laughs>